0: By being or having, I refer to two fundamental modes of existence, to two different kinds of orientation towards self and the world, to two different kinds of character structure.
1: In the having mode of existence, my relationship to the world is one of possessing and owning, one in which I want to make everybody and everything, including myself, my property
0: in the being mode of existence we can identify two forms of being one is in contrast to having and means aliveness and authentic relatedness to the world the other is in contrast to appearing and really means the true nature the reality of a person or thing in contrast to deceptive appearances Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Hello. We hope you all are doing well. It's been a little minute since we have talked to you, but we are happy to be back and we are excited about the show we have for you today.
1: Yes, we are. I'm excited, Lacey.
0: It's <laughs> going be fun. I uh, want to give a quick thank you really uh, quickly to Tom with Nerds for Humanity. He had me on his YouTube podcast recently, so check it out.
1: So, Lacey, we're still in COVID-19. Tell yeah. me your update. What's been going on with you?
0: Well, uh, it's continuing to be somewhat of a struggle. Um, I think it's starting to become a lot more normal now. Do you feel that way a little bit? Um, Yeah, it depends. But you're right. There's a routine
1: that we know with masks and social distancing. So, yeah, that seems more like the norm.
0: Yeah, it. I feel like it's at least it's becoming more um, comfortable because it's it's more known. We've been doing it for a little while now, so it's a little bit easier. I know though that in the midst of all the negative that we could talk about about it, which mm-hmm. we uh, there has definitely been some cool, really positive things that have been happening, and that's something we wanted to kind of highlight. What what has been has stood out to you, Sonia? Um, that's really positive. That brings really some light and some encouragement to all of us in the midst of all this?
1: I think, um, well, for me personally is time. uh, Actually, because we've been able to stop, sort of forced to stop, Hmm. Um, it's allowed me to reconnect Hmm. with people that normally were running around busy, 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 just living our life. And this has given me an opportunity for probably reflection and also connection. Mm-hmm. with others and, and even conscientiously taking there was one day, you know the story, I didn't have a phone, so I found oh, yeah. but yeah, it was not fun. but the cool thing about that day is I just was still. And I think it, this is a time for people to have those moments. It's very transformative. and I think in a weird way, this pandemic is giving us some of that time.
0: Yeah, time to slow down, time to reflect a little time to be comfortable in our own skin a little bit more than maybe we would in being so busy on a typical day. Um, one of the cool things that I wanted to share was um, I was actually going for a walk run through Inman park, uh, not too far from where I live here in Atlanta. And um, someone had in the window of their home had put um, like two mannequin type things with a, uh, like there were scrubs that Mm -hmm. the mannequins Mm -hmm. were wearing and then cut out big letters that said, thank you. And I thought this is, that is so sweet. Uh, That is so kind. I think we're seeing a community rally around medical workers, Mm -hmm. rally around um, the essential workers right now. And that's a beautiful thing. And I, and I think, you know, it's true that human beings are, I think our natural, instinct is really to help. And Mm -hmm. I think a a situation like this kind of brings that out. And I I think some people may be afraid that the worst comes out. But I think really a whole lot of solidarity tends to come out of these Mm types of things. Yeah,
1: and you hear about these acts of altruism. And for me too, is being connected. Like uh, Even walking in where I live in the apartment complex, I'll uh, acknowledge people, like to say hello. And we have some people out there cleaning and I'll even, you know, have a little conversation. Not that I didn't talk to these individuals before, but there's just this need I think now to connect with others and to acknowledge the presence of others. And people, like you said, that are on the front lines are the ones that are putting their lives on the line for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're very thankful for, for you guys. And I know we've said it before. We'll say it again. Thank you for all your sacrifices to the from the person that's delivering groceries to the frontline medical workers, we wouldn't be nearly good a shape as we are
1: now. No, we 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 really couldn't. These are these are heroes.
0: They're modern day heroes, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I feel though, Sonia, we had talked about this you and I um previously today actually. I feel there's a, a sort of rebirth, a renaissance of sort. Uh, an opportunity for a new society to emerge. Mm -hmm. Something that we discussed earlier, and and I felt like you had some really cool things to say on this. So I wanted to hear a little more about that. Sure. I
1: think um, one thing that's happening that we talked about is we're kind of, we're cocooning and we're being forced to do that, being in our space. And then if you use the metaphor of like the butterfly uh, when it's the caterpillar and it kind of, it has to die. And then when it's born, the rebirth—it's this beautiful butterfly. So I think what we're experiencing now is this need to go really inward and do some, you know, self-examination. And then I believe you're going to see structures that we've used to, we've used, been used to living with, start to dismantle. And there's going to be there's opportunity for what we're talking about here is having a new society.
0: Yeah. Rethink how we do things a little bit.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's, it's equivalent. I think, I think we experience this throughout our life, but right now we're living a very historical time where all of humanity mm. is feeling the same thing. We're all yes. in this together. Yes. So we have an opportunity to change the way
0: we've done things and that's super powerful. It really is. Uh, I know I shared a tweet with you that I saw that is about a country that is a group of countries who have kind of brought their scholars and deep thinkers together to make some plans about how they could make changes to their societies after COVID-19 that would be um, helpful and, and make sense in light of the changes that have happened. One of those things was a basic income, which is something that you and I are you know, very supportive of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's the kind of uh, thing that the opportunity that we have uh, right now to do those kinds of things. And I think the first step is being able to accept that there's a lot that's changing and a lot that's not ever going to be the same as it was before. Right,
1: right. Now, this is, this is just um, so, powerful. It's like this time of, uh, it's tumultuous, but it also gives us incredible opportunities to have different, a different vision. And I believe, you know, that we can't keep going the same path that we've been going on. Mm -hmm. And it kind of forces us, right? Yes. To, Hey guys, wake up and we're going to do this differently. Or you have the opportunity to, to have a different world. Mm -hmm. And we're all, We're all in this together, which is exciting. It's like, it's very creative too. We have an opportunity to to recreate things, you
0: know, we want them to be better for us as human beings. I love that. I love that. And and that can be a very scary thing too sometimes because we are comfortable in what we already know. And so I think there's a lot of people who are having a really hard time. uh, And I understand that uh, with, The changes, but and maybe even some denial going on. I I think I've even had some moments of like, nah, it's not really happening (laughs) because it's just so much easier to deal with that mm -hmm. one.
1: Yeah, I will raise my hand as someone, even though this is very exciting to me to talk to you about this. I I think as a human being, it's very easy to go back to that comfort oh, what I know, you know, what's kind of the easy path. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, we're going to forge a new path, and it's 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 going to be this push and pull, as you're saying. There are going to be people, and there are people right now who are even denying that this is even reality. They're like, no, 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 there's no COVID nineteen. Yeah, there's yep. COVID nineteen. So it's they're going to come, you know, kicking and screaming, but we're going to go into a new era. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's it's the first step to making progress excuse me, is to acknowledge what's happening. And it's scary sometimes to acknowledge things because mm-hmm. you can't just deny them and sweep them under the rug, but that's how you solve the problem. And it's way better to to, to acknowledge it and mm-hmm. find the solution than it is to just be like, well, it doesn't exist because it's too much to deal with, you know?
1: Right. And you touched upon it, I think, in a previous podcast. It's it's loss, too. It's loss of the systems and the environment that one was used to living in. And now that's where we're gonna move beyond that. And that's tough, it's a tough thing.
0: It's crazy how timely it is with what we're talking about and with with Eric Fromm and his thoughts and ideas. Um, Of course, we've been talking about um, a little bit to kind of taking some information, some ideas from Eric Fromm's book, To Have or To Be. Um, And today we're gonna continue to do that um, from chapter one share some um, some of the quotes, some things that he talks about in chapter one. And uh, and of course, just use it as a springboard for our conversation on how we can rethink humanity and what a good time to be having this conversation, really. So uh, there's a couple of elements, little pieces from the first chapter that I want to kind of throw out, Sonia and I. And we just want you guys to like, Let it marinate for a second. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to share our thoughts on what these things, what we think about them. Um, But I'm just going to give you three, three quotes. And I think Sonia, you have one or two. Uh, One right now. Okay. And then we're just going to, you know, kind of talk about our, our opinion on it. So let's go ahead and get started and then uh, we'll, we'll keep this party going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So First, we must have things in order to enjoy them. In order to live, we must have things. The very essence of being is having.
1: Cool. Okay, mine is that if one has
0: nothing, one is nothing. Hmm. If one has nothing, one is nothing. You know what strikes me about this is that there's some of this that feels true. Mm-hmm. Some of it that feels not true.
1: Correct. Well, for me, what rings when you're saying this um true is I think the society that we've been raised in in our culture teaches us again, that if you have nothing, you are nothing. I Mm -hmm. mean, everything that we learn and we are socialized with is to have, not to be. Mm -hmm. And so the truth part of this is, oh, yeah, I know that message. I've heard that message. Mm -hmm. But internally, there's another story, which is Mm -hmm. the being as opposed to the having.
0: Yes. Well, you know, I agree that uh, in order to live, we must have some things, but mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of truth in that one. I think we must have things in order to enjoy them. That's not true. I mean, no. you can't have the sunset, can you? No, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and you know, if I have nothing, then I am nothing. Well, that's a, just a horrible way to like evaluate somebody's worth, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a, a little bit about this, uh, you and I, Sonia, but what we've learned from what many of us have learned from well, who we would call like the great masters or the mm-hmm. leaders of spiritual movements, they actually have said the opposite of this.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Like Jesus said, like, if you what does it profit you if you gain your the whole world but lose your soul? Um, and in Buddhism, they they teach that we have things, but they're already we're all they're already lost. They're they're like I had a friend who who was like big into reading on Buddhist stuff. And he said the idea that that he picked up from this was like the cup is already broken. Like mm-hmm. you have the coffee cup now and mm-hmm. it's perfect and it's not broken and you're using it and you're happy about it. And you think it's going to be that way forever. But guess what? The thing's going to break one day. It's already broken. So when it breaks, don't be surprised. Just know that's part of life. That's how it happens.
1: Correct. And um, I was also going to say Master Eckhart, who's a German theologian in the 1300s, Mm. taught that to have nothing and make oneself open and empty, not to let one's ego stand in one's way, Mm. is the condition for achieving spiritual wealth and strength. Oh, wow.
0: don't we all want that? <laughs> and not to let one's ego stand in their way. There's so much there. There's so much there to unpack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I kind of touched on, um, on the podcast, I'm sorry, on the uh, YouTube interview with Tom was self-awareness. You know, oh, we, can't, cool. we can't understand our ego if until we, unless we're self-aware, we can't, we can't fix our ego if well, not fix, but you know, learn how to, how to have a healthy ego without having self-awareness. It's a big part of that.
1: Yes. And the Western world, the ego is what really is what we listen to. Correct. You know, that again, going to the having, what does the, what does the ego want? What can we, what can we get?
0: (laughs) Yes. In chapter one from States that having and being are two fundamental modes of experience. That's the way he frames that. Kind of, is there anything that hits your brain, Sonia, when you hear that? The way of of saying, kind of, how to describe the two to have or to be? Because I think it's clear that in life we need to have things. There's certain mm-hmm. things we need to have. So these are not complete polar opposites, mm-hmm. but, but you can see maybe from his the way he words it there, kind of what the the meaning is behind it.
1: Um, well, what hits me is having, uh, I relate to ownership, which he does talk about, and being is more fluid, where being is you're going to go through different places in the being. And you're going to have a real more like a v- variety of experiences. Having is just more of hmm. achieving or acquiring Hmm.
0: Almost like having is more kind of stuck in a way, and being is like you're saying more fluid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And I think that allows for growth. Having to me seems stagnant.
0: Yes. Yes. It's easy and 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 control it feels like mm-hmm. there's a control element with having, and if that's the main focus of of life, you know, you feel mm-hmm. a more comfortable in in what you have and in being able to be in control of that. Also, the other thing that we wanted to do is read a couple of poems that are in this first chapter that I think do a really good job of explaining, um, drawing a picture for, for all of us, what the two different modes are, the two different modes of experience are. So,
1: you want to go first, don't you? Sure, sure. Okay, the first poem is Tennyson. Mm-hmm. Flower in a crannied wall, I pluck you out of the crannies. I hold you here, root and all, in my hand, little flower. But if I could understand what you are, root and all, and all in all, I should know what God
0: and man is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the second poem is Basho. It's a haiku, and it goes like this. When I look carefully, I see the nizuna blooming by the hedge. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so those are the two different poems that kind of draw a picture for us of what the two different modes of of. Being are the modes of experience is how he calls it. What what do you what stands out to you, Sonia? Um, well, what stands
1: out to me obviously in Tennyson's verse is how he wants the uh, flower, and mm-hmm. he pulls that flower out by the root and all, mm-hmm. and he's trying, I guess, to acquire. In you know, he's speculating. He's trying to get the insight of nature uh, of God and man, but the flower gets killed. As a result of him pulling that flower out. Mm -hmm. He's trying to have it, of course.
0: Yes. So he's saying, but if I could understand what you are, all in all. So he wants to understand the flower. And in his mind, it seems that he needs to pluck it, Mm -hmm. have it, in order to understand it. Interesting. And then Basho, he doesn't take anything. He just... I look carefully mm-hmm. by the at the blooming plant, blooming flower. So there's two totally <laughs> different approaches here. Yeah, and and Basho, like
1: you're saying, he says, "I see." That's super powerful. I just see. Mm. He's not pulling. He's not grabbing. He's not taking.
0: Yes, yes, and maybe in the in Tennyson, Tennyson's idea is. I can't understand this flower if I don't take it with me, mm-hmm. if I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And Vasho seems like he can understand that flower. He can actually even better understand that flower by looking. I would tend to agree with that.
1: <laughs> you? Yes, yes. He's allowing that flower to live, to bloom. Mm-hmm. And it's not needing to pull it out roots and all
0: yeah I mean, I think you can learn a lot more about a about an object if it's in its own natural habitat versus mm-hmm. taking it out right well right. understand it much more that way so the last poem that we're gonna read is a, it's kind of a, a mix of the two so uh, this is by I think you say this ghost mm-hmm. uh, and then let's you want to alternate standard stanzas. Sure. Okay. And this this is called found.
1: I walked in the woods all by myself to seek nothing that was on my mind. I saw in
0: the shade a little flower a little flower stand bright like the stars, like beautiful eyes.
1: I wanted to pluck it, but it said sweetly, Is it to wilt that I must be broken?
0: I took it out with all its roots, carried it to the garden at the pretty house, and planted it again in a quiet
1: place. Now it ever spreads and blossoms forth. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Wow. So, what's
0: this? Yeah, a little bit different this time. What do you, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I mean, it's really cool this poem because not only does he recognize the, the, um, the flower, he actually replants it. So he realizes that the flower is alive and he does something differently than Tennyson or Basho because he takes it again and replants it so that the life can be restored.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool it's almost a a middle road, middle ground. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I want, I want to have it. I don't want to kill it in the process. Right. Um, And I'm not going to. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a different, a different approach and a different balance, but at least it's not taking life. And I think one thing that's interesting, and I think we'll see this theme throughout the book is when we, when we're so focused and, uh, and, you know, even obsessed with having something, somehow, mm-hmm. we can sometimes just, like, destroy right. the life out of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We can just suck the life out of it. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, what was the point in the first place? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's cool about this poem, like you're saying,
1: it, it recognizes that he does have the desire uh, to pluck it. He doesn't deny that desire. Like, he mm-hmm. says, I wanted to pluck it but then he listens Ooh.
2: to the flower
1: and Ooh. that's huge. So it's like he opens up to that and then he respects that and replants it and, and values the life of that. That, that's pretty.
0: That's weird. beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Poetry, dude. Yeah, so, so never cool. did I, realize. <laughs>
1: I know we
0: should look in and read more poetry. <laughs> For sure. I'm to do that. <laughs> hmm. Oh Yeah. So the next section in the chapter talks a little bit about how language has changed over the years um, and a growing use of nouns instead of verbs.
1: Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this part. I, I just, it really spoke to me. Um, and I never thought about it as much until I was reading it. Um, so an example that he gives is saying, I have a problem mm-hmm. instead of saying, I am troubled. And why is it a problem to say a problem? Because we're trying to create, we're trying to own something. And you can't own an experience is what mm-hmm. from says. Yeah. Where I am troubled allows you much more latitude of having that experience as opposed to a problem.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense to you, Lisa. Totally, totally. I mean, processes and activities are not things that can be possessed. And they they're only things that can be experienced. And so it doesn't make sense, and he points this out in the chapter, that we use the language I have so much. And if you think about it, it really is very common. I mean, mm-hmm. most people don't say I am a wife. They say, I have a husband or I have children, not I am a mother or I have a boyfriend. It's not I am a loving girlfriend or what have you. So it's really, really common. And I think if we slow down and think about it a little bit, it's like, wait, wow, we really mm-hmm. do turn situations that would be experiences, processes into nouns, into things. Yeah. It's it's really interesting and I think I was
1: reflecting um, with you on this because I'll just share that I have, I'm not gonna, okay, I have problems sleeping. But mm-hmm. instead I would say I have insomnia. And to me that speaks to, okay, how do I fix that? As opposed to I have trouble sleeping. That yeah. trouble sleeping could be many different things. So to me it's very limiting to say I have again, like you're saying, it's not allowing you to have the it's the experience. It's wanting to have that noun there.
0: Yes. it It's kind of alienates uh, an element of. In a way, it even could be like personal responsibility or or I don't know if I like that phrase, but it, it eliminates it alienates um, multiple sources for reasons why you might be um exactly of exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. that yeah. that's that's what i think it does and i do think it makes one feel alienated by even that language so i just found this whole conversation super cool by
0: from yeah, me too. I mean, this, this is one of the first um, things that I read in, in his book here that I was like, whoa, I <laughs> never thought that deeply before, <laughs> you know, um,
1: really interesting. Yeah,
0: it's, it's awesome. I, and, I, and I mean, it's another reason why I love him so much. And I think uh, I'm thankful to have opportunity to just perpetuate his ideas, because I think they're pretty, pretty wholesome and pretty good. Um, very, very good. Yeah. So uh, the last part that we wanted to discuss was um, being what what being is. And, you know, being there's an element of the chapter where he talks about this, but being it implies change and change is an element of being. hmm. Talk definitely. about that. yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, the thing I think we touched upon in the beginning of this is you know, there's nothing permanent. Everything is constantly changing. We're experiencing that now. we experience that all the time. So I really relate to this mm-hmm. Being means that you're you know you're evolving. It's, yeah. just, it's just place where you're just stuck that yeah. there is no there is nothing that is not changing. And and I believe that's a concept that once we wrap our heads around, we can flow with that. But again, what you said previously about the denial, I think people are like, Oh, no, no, I don't want to change. I don't want things to change. But for us to grow, we have to be in that space.
0: Yes. Yes. I want to read a little bit of uh, the section from this chapter where he talks about it because it's such powerful. Um, words here he says yes living structures can be can be only if they become they can exist only if they change change and growth are inherent qualities of the life process awesome it kind of reminds me of a a, a, like a a creek or pond that's become stagnant Mm -hmm. life is not there anymore but one that's always moving, it's always changing. There's always life and growth there. I mean, I can also think of my own life, my own uh, personal life. For example, I've, I think I've had, I've had multiple, multiple jobs over the course of my lifetime, multiple careers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe that part of the reason why I've grown the way that I've grown is because I've made changes to my life. You know, uh, there's no way I could have grown in the way that I grew um, as I grew being on Andrew Yang's campaign and working and traveling in that way. Uh, There were changes and growth that I made uh, as a full time nanny that I couldn't have done any other way. So I think the variety, the change in life helps produce that and Mm -hmm. keeps us from becoming stagnant.
1: Absolutely. And and the interesting thing is that hearing you talk, it appears that you welcome that. And so what we need to do is be welcoming that now. Um, I love the example of the creek. So I heard, I don't know where this quote or this statement that if you put your hand in a river twice, are you putting it in the same river? And the answer Mm -hmm. is no, because Mm -hmm. that river is flowing and changing. And that's a cool metaphor for how we are we are constantly changing life around us is constantly changing mm-hmm. and this is such an opportunity as i talked about earlier for us to be part of that and to allow that change mm-hmm. and not have the fear as you're saying in your example that all these different experiences you had with jobs made you grow as a person yeah so you, you welcomed that
0: change the cool the cool thing is is it's a very alive feeling and mm-hmm. that's the experience that I've had. Is it scary? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're starting over basically every single time. And you know, um, both of us have lived in other countries, and so that's a, an experience that throws you off your game completely. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new thing. But the thing is, it's like you live. You're alive. You're, you know, everything is, it's scary. It's new, but you're learning new things. You're building confidence. This is the way we make it through life and enjoy ourselves and mm-hmm. don't stay the same. Cause that sounds boring to me. Staying the same.
1: <laughs> okay. And then obviously if you don't allow these, this evolution, then you're going to be stuck Yes. places that you don't want to be stuck. And and I will say to you, I agree, like I have lived in other places, but it's hard. You're right. It's very, very hard in the sense to not want to stay in your little safe cocoon and structure. It's I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not easy. So for anybody listening, it's tough. Yes. But when it's like kind of jumping, I do the analogy of like I have to jump from the high dive into the water. No, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. Then you do it and there's this free
2: yeah, exciting feeling
1: you made it, you did it, you know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. You know,
0: you can't grow in ways that you've never grown if you don't ever do things you've never done before. Try things you've never tried before. Is it scary? Of course it is. But it's it's life. And it's another reason that I think our society could use some adjustment, because I feel that we tend to do the same thing. Career- mm-hmm. For a lot over and over. and I think it's another reason why we become automaton citizens, which is what From—that's the verbiage From uses. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of like doing life on autopilot. Because why? Because you're doing the same damn thing every single right. day. Right. Of course, you're and, gonna go insane and, at some point. and, yeah, and, and
1: I and I love this because you and I have talked about this so much. But on the rethinking humanity whole concept is, I love the idea of people having to being able to do different careers, different opportunities, volunteering, career, whatever you want to do. And we want to build a society that gives us the freedom to do that, that allows us to be, you know, with our fellow citizens, not being, as you're saying, that Ottoman that goes every day, repeat, repeat,
0: repeat. Yes. Yes. There's a a poem, actually, that I want, another poem that I want to read. Um, and it's actually something that Richard sent me today, and it fits really well with this. So I'm going to do this. Oh, awesome! Um, and then we'll talk about who Richard is. Okay. And, um, transition to our next part. So here's the the poem that he sent. It's called "And the People Stayed Home." And the people stayed home and read books, and listened, and rested, and exercised, and made art, and played games. And learned new ways of being and learned new ways of being. And were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows and the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless and heartless ways, The earth began to heal and when the danger passed and the people joined together again they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed that's
1: awesome isn't that good love it
0: yeah love richard
1: i love richard so i'll tell everybody who richard is so um lacy and i where we met is a philosophy group through meetup called spark check it out and richard is the guy who started it along with another individual um but we're close to richard and he's he's great and the philosophy group is great
0: it's a great group and richard uh, read the book bowling alone several years mm-hmm. ago and he said that book inspired him to start this group for the purpose of the conversations because he enjoys philosophy, but also to create community as an intentional way to create community, because that book talks about how far away from that we've gotten and what the baby mm-hmm. says about that. And so we love that. And we've, th- we met each other Sonia and I in that group two years ago. I think it's been two years, right? Yeah.
1: It's been two years for sure. Years. <laughs> we
0: have both built great relationships, friendships with Richard, with the group um, you know, since then. So he's awesome. And Mm -hmm. he also shared a story with Mm -hmm. us that we're going to play for you as we exit, uh, as we end our podcast. And so, um, we felt like it was very fitting for the time being, but also for our podcast. So, and you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, no, this was, uh,
1: This was ideal. He, Richard sent that to us and it's got a nice message. I think people will really be inspired by it. And yeah, I couldn't uh, give any more plugs to, he's a super cool guy and I read Bowling Alone and I tell everybody to check that book out because it does have to do with community and how we are trying to build community now.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. I would say also the story that Richard is about to, to read to you sums up kind of our vision for the podcast too you know it's kind of what we're hope hoping that we can do on a literal in a literal way but also in a figurative way as we think about how we can rethink the way we do humanity and build our society
1: yeah i would just add i think that um the story will resonate because At least I know for Lacey and I, we're looking at this as us reaching out and pulling people together as a collective whole, as opposed to the individual. So I think Mm -hmm. that will
0: speak to all of you. Yeah. Well, uh, Sonia, you're awesome. And I'm thankful (laughs) for you. And I'm having a blast doing this podcast. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, my gosh. I got to thank Lacey because she is so cool. And for people who don't know her, and I know some of you know her, she is incredible. She's done amazing things with her work, with her personal life. So this is just one more great idea that she's had.
0: Well, thank you, Sonia. I appreciate that. And we have to thank Victor. He's behind the scenes, uh, working hard, helping us to do this from the digital side. So thank you, Victor. We love you. Bye. And thanks to all of you for listening. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. We've passed 200 listens. I think we're at like 210 now. So that's wonderful. We're so happy. And uh, we're not going anywhere, guys. We're going to (laughs) be here for a while. So uh, (laughs) thank you. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you, guys
2: hi everyone richard here i'm a friend of Lacey and sonia and i wanted to talk about the principle of ubuntu ubuntu is a naguni bantu term that roughly translated means humanity ubuntu is a south african ethical ideology that focuses on people's allegiances and relations with each other There's a story about an anthropologist who proposed a game to a group of African tribal children. He placed a basket of sweets near a tree and then had them stand a few hundred feet away. Whoever reached the basket first would get all the sweets. The kids lined up and awaited the signal, but when he shouted go, instead of running as fast as they could, they all held hands and walked together toward the tree. When they arrived, they divided the sweets and enjoyed them equally. Later when the anthropologist asked them why they did that, they said, how can one be happy when all the others are sad? This is a perfect illustration of the idea of Ubuntu. Ubuntu emphasizes human interdependence so that no one is left behind. Instead of focusing on competition, Ubuntu trusts in the fundamental goodness and worth of every individual. Every generous action, kind word, or warm thought contributes to everyone's well-being including your own. Remember that you are human because of the humanity of others.